Last Thursday, the pews of Christ Church Episcopal in downtown Las Vegas were packed with politicians, police officers, criminal defense attorneys, even our mayor. It was a motley crew of folks who aren't always on the same side of the aisle. They were there to celebrate the life of Pastor Bonnie Polly. She was Clark County Detention Center's first chaplain, a tiny, fierce woman, and an unassuming mover and shaker around town. Today on CityCast Las Vegas, host David Figler shares his reflections on Pastor Bonnie Polly's legacy and how rare it was to find someone who nurtured the humanity in everyone around her, even as she worked within a sometimes dehumanizing justice system. It's Monday, August 15th, 2022. I'm Sonia Cho Swanson, and this is CityCast Las Vegas. So tell us about Pastor Bonnie Polly. Who was she? Oh, and I don't know that I'm particularly qualified. I mean, I know a lot about her because I've known about her for a really long time. Maybe the better way is just to tell you the first time that I remember her coming on my radar. Please. Uh, yeah. And I was trying to think about this. So Pastor Polly, a.k.a. Bonnie Polly, mm-hmm. a.k.a. Deacon Polly, a.k.a. the Right Reverend Bonnie Polly from Christ Church Episcopal, was the first unofficial and then official formal chaplain of the Clark County Detention Center, which is our big local jail. Everyone found out before before she was announced as the formal chaplain that she had been doing it on a volunteer basis for decades. And so that was formalized somewhere in the 2000s, in the early aughts. uh, And she has served that role for many, many years. And sadly, she did recently pass away at the age of 83. Wow. So my first recollections of Pastor Polly, or Bonnie Polly, was when I went over to the Clark County Detention Center. I was trying to accomplish something for one of my clients. He had a sick family member, and so I had gone over to see if I could find out what the holdup was or why the administration wasn't giving my client this very seemingly modest accommodation. And just exasperated because nobody was giving me a correct answer, one of the civilian employees at the jail said, well, that I should go talk to Bonnie Polly. And I didn't know who Bonnie Polly was at the time. So I kind of went over and there was this very, very tiny, petite woman in there who had a little collar around her neck and had a little badge on her jacket. And she had this like very disarming little Southern accent. Uh, hmm. And she goes, oh, well, that, that's, don't worry about it. Give me your phone number. I'll give you a call. And so I was like, oh, okay. And I'm going to say within an hour, I got a call. We, we got that done. Wow. And I was like, okay. I remember going back to my boss and explaining what I had just done for my client. And he was like, oh, yeah, it's Bonnie Polly. She basically runs the jail. (laughs) So what I've learned since then, and which was absolutely affirmed at the funeral, was that, and this was one of the Metro captains in charge of the jail, gave one of the eulogies, one of the many eulogies at a very packed house, said, you know, whenever... Bonnie Polly had the will, we had to find the way. And that pretty much summed up the situation. Tell us a little bit about her impact in the community. She made things happen. So sometimes people are in the jail for an extended period of time. 
mm-hmm. and as a result, they have a lot of needs that aren't necessarily served by the jail bureaucracy. And so, sure. you know, if they want to get married, uh, sometimes it's super sad. Someone needs to tell them that a child has died while they're in custody, or they need to make arrangements to be able to go to a funeral, either in person or even on a, you know, now a video. Things like that, Bonnie would just make them happen, even if it was mm-hmm. tough time frames. I wish I could have gotten a chance to know her. So side, side note, my dad is actually a chaplain, retired now. Listeners might know that chaplains are pastors who are attached to like a secular community rather than a religious institution like a church. And, and she was also a deacon in her church, but I also knew her from some other community staff. I mean, Bonnie Polly was everywhere. Attributable to that is just the, the wide range of people who were at her funeral and who have given just this amazing outpouring and remembrance of Bonnie Polly upon her passing. Mayor Goodman was there, gave a eulogy, people from the police department, people from her own church where she served as a deacon for many, many years, and also help establish a service center for those who are less fortunate out of Christ Church Episcopalian over there, and also her involvement in Shade Tree and her involvement with my spouse in an organization called Nevans for the Common Good. I mean, Bonnie Polly was really everywhere. Hmm. Now, I know that she also worked with Metro. Obviously, like working with the police right now is sort of heavily politicized and, hmm. and in some ways a tricky topic to tackled. I mean, was she someone who was able to straddle political divides in a way that might be trickier in this day and age? It it's y- yes is the absolute resounding short answer to that question. And I think that certainly my clients and other criminal defense attorneys clients who interacted with Bonnie Polly uh didn't see her as a police officer even though they understood her affiliation with the jail and the jail being run by the police, it didn't matter. You know, I think that they saw in her eyes a tender sympathy that transcended any label of police or not police or anything else. So, you know, that that's kind of who she was. I imagine, too, that she she might have ministered to or, or lent, you know, an ear to folks in the police force themselves. Oh, yeah. And, you know, I don't even think about it in that way. And I didn't until I heard some of that information, that testimony at the funeral. She also did the same things that she did for the people who were incarcerated for the corrections officers. So they were talking about how she performed wedding ceremonies for correction officers or offered them that sort of counsel and support when they needed it as well. Uh, She had everyone's respect because she earned it. She was true to her her faith, to herself, and to her mission, which was to to ease the suffering of others. At the funeral, they were doing some readings, and, you know, it's not my faith, so I'm not familiar with a lot of the readings and stuff, but they did do a reading from the prophet Isaiah that they had picked for Bonnie, and it talks about the spirit of the Lord being upon uh, Isaiah to give comfort to all who mourn, but also to proclaim liberty to the captives and release to the prisoners. That was part mm. of the reading. And yeah, I think that would be a, a passage that she absolutely would have embraced. That's so powerful. Yeah, you know, right? I think that there's just something about the role of someone who can, who can show compassion and empathy to all people across maybe a political spectrum, across sides of a conflict. No, but yeah, 
but but above and beyond, right? And so, you know, the tales of her going to the bank and cashing checks for inmates, of providing them with stamps so they can mail out holiday cards to their loved ones. I mean, all out of her own pocket. I had a client, personally, who knew that she was going to be incarcerated for a very long time. And she had the most luxurious long hair. I don't know that my client had ever cut her hair, right? So there's just these locks that went well below her waist. And she just decided one day on her own that she wanted to donate her hair to Locks for Life, I think it's called, or one of those organizations. Locks for Love, I think. Locks yeah. for Love, that's it, yeah. But she didn't know what to do. And Bonnie's like, I got this. And wow. so arranged for her hair to be cut, arranged for the hair to be delivered, and Bonnie did all that on her own. And she didn't have to. That wasn't part of her job. That was just such a small thing, but such a big important thing to my client who was coming to terms with her own future and that this was very important for her that she can do something good while, while this was happening. And the stories were plentiful. At the funeral, there was a tale of an inmate who had just been discharged and had no way home. And they called the sergeant over at the jail saying, uh, we got a situation. And it turned out that it was Bonnie Polly parking her notorious PT cruiser oh. uh, in a no parking zone, <laughs> trying by herself to shove an electric wheelchair that the guy had been released with into the back of her car. Eventually, the sergeant went out and it's like, you know, Bonnie, you can't be doing this. It's not safe for you to take this guy home and all sorts of stuff. She goes, well, so what are we going to do? <laughs> you know. <laughs> and the sergeant was like, okay, I got the message. We had to figure out a way to get him home. And we did. Can I ask you, I mean, you've been a criminal defense lawyer now your whole career. I mean, it feels like court systems are set up to be oppositional. They're set up for a fight. But it seems like someone like Bonnie was able to step outside of that and not be part of the fight and instead be a line of communication uh, that she had a specific role for empathy for for both sides of the equation. Yeah. I think the system's set up for apathy. I I think Hmm. the system is set up to not get involved in people's lives, unfortunately, to not try to understand how they got where they are or how to make them better, but to simply have the kind of the binary of crime and punishment and punishment in a very specific way. And people like Bonnie Polly and specifically Bonnie Polly just wouldn't ascribe to that model. It wasn't about what you had done but it was about who you are as a human, finding that humanity and never letting you lose sight of your own humanity, no matter what your future be held because of the offense that you did or are accused of doing. So, yeah. yeah. But it is going to be really, it's a gap that I don't know how any human could fill. Uh, yeah. I, I just hope that somebody. Somebody tries to follow in her footsteps, but um, it, it's definitely a, <sighs> sorry. No, it's okay. Just, she was such a nice person too. Yeah. So, you know, always smile and just so tiny, so fierce, so, so good at what she did. Whenever, when I would do a jail visit uh, to my clients, I would have to go into the North Tower, walk by her little office, and I just saw her nameplate on the door, and it was just like, oh, Bonnie's here, watching over everyone. It's not so bad being in this space, because you can imagine it's it's not the nicest space to be in, and it certainly could be a little toxic, but she was the antidote to that, for sure. 
It's a beautiful remembrance, David, and thank you for sharing that. Sure. All right, and before you go, a little news from around the city. In case you missed it, Nevada has one of the lowest COVID rates in the nation. That's a big change from the days when the virus shut this place down. So why is it so low now? Because the latest subvariants hit Nevada earlier than most states, so it's receded earlier, too. Meanwhile, if you are wondering how big the shortfall is in mental health workers in our local schools, a new report says the district would need 35 times the number of social workers it currently has, and twice as many counselors. Eek. Fortunately, as it turns out, some students are spearheading their own mental health advocacy efforts. That is all for today here on CityCast Las Vegas. Did you enjoy the show? Did it strike a chord or mean something to you? Please go share it with a friend. Then go rate the show and leave us a review. For more from around the city, don't forget to subscribe to our morning newsletter. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news, and we'll talk to you soon. <laughs>